0: Welcome to Vanguard Radio. Nigger's trial. We pay for the nigger's food, my friends. And what he's done lost his smile.
1: Bring in David Pringle. Let's uh get him on the phone and see if we can uh have a discussion with Mr. Pringle. Oh, hello. David Pringle?
2: Yeah, I hit the wrong button there, sorry.
1: That's okay. Well, you know there's a lot of buttons on these computers,
2: you know. There are a lot of
1: buttons. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks for coming on the broadcast and welcome.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: You know, I've listened to Whitewire uh for a long time, and um I listen to a uh well I listen to a lot of uh white nationalist radio to see what uh people are talking about and uh and i've i have left you a few messages uh on your at least one or two on your uh on your white wire page uh and uh here and there i was always hoping for a podcast and um so I could just suck it right down
2: and yeah some uh, i, I boloed that um I got an account at Feedburner, but I couldn't make the damn thing work right. Oh, well. So well,
1: you know, uh, I started learning the ropes here uh, from on VNN from uh, the sound uh, the sound guy uh, Stan, and um, and uh, you know uh, when I was starting off, I said, you know, why aren't we talking with like Hal Turner's people and learning from them, and then talking with uh, Metzger's people and learning with them, you know, about the the technical aspects and and he was so he was kind of joking like what do you mean work together you know like uh you know i mean uh, i would have gladly if i had only known you had problems with your um, xml and uh, i would have uh, helped you but uh, the thing is we i don't know we don't so well i don't know people get in these little isolated camps and um uh and they learn they don't uh, they don't talk with one another but anyway what i was trying to say is i could have gotten you up and running with the xml feed and um but i guess that's that's under the bridge uh and uh i'm sure that a lot of listening wants to know more about about that uh and what happened to white wire but before we jump into that let's let's keep them kind of uh hooked for a little bit um, <laughs> david yeah I, let me tell you a little bit of of my background i i started discovering white nationalism about about 2 years ago and uh before then i was i don't know i was, i suppose i could, just some sort of traditional conservative uh, my parents were not, you know, they were, uh, you know, especially suspicious of blacks and, and of course, you know, Jews to some degree, uh, but that wasn't a huge factor in my growing up. But um, uh, one of the things I came along after the death of William Pierce, and I would turn, I would, I like listening to your broadcast on White Wire because you talked a lot about the movement and. I'm always very interested in, in people that were part of the National Alliance, uh, especially uh, you know before William Pierce died. And uh, what? Wh- how did you? May I ask? How, how did you first hear about the National Alliance, and, and why did you take the leap of joining it?
2: Well, I heard about the National Alliance first um, from talk about movement Uh cross-pollination from a information package I got from uh, Tom Metzger. Oh, yeah. And also from a book written by uh, Tom Martinez called The Brotherhood of Murder. Mm -hmm. I read that book when I was a soldier. I was up at uh, Hunter Liggett, which is in Northern California. And um, had a lot of time on my hands, as most guys in the military could relate with. Okay. So I picked up the book, and I read it, and you know, I found I found myself identifying with, um, you know, um, Bob Matthews and the order. But what struck me was, uh, you know, their reverent—how much they revered Dr. Pierce and how <laughs> reverent they were towards him. And so I'd heard about um Metzger and White Aryan Resistance actually while I was in Egypt. I read an article about him being sued by 20th Century Fox and uh for having Nazi Bart Simpson's t-shirts. Mm-hmm. So I um I just called Fallbrook California information and from that right before I was going to get out I he just sent me a a big package full of stuff, like all copied from a bunch of different uh, organizations and newsletters, and I mean, because uh, before the internet, what we used to all do was subscribe to like twenty newsletters. Yes. And so, which sometimes I miss those days. Other times I don't. Uh, <laughs> but because um, the forums and VNN and yep. the different blogs have taken uh, the place of that and uh and so you know when these
1: people in the media they when they when they whine on about the, their inability to control the message you know there is there is a certain truth to that And and unfortunately, we don't want them to control it, but you know uh when when you had the newsletters, like in the old days although i didn't I didn't subscribe to any white nationalist newsletter, you know you had people who would be very careful about what they wrote and um with sometimes with the forums and and the commenting uh things can get out of hand very quickly and, oh uh, absolutely yeah
2: uh, <laughs> i've I've read some very interesting things on the forums
3: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. and see that, that's what's kind of interesting uh before week before we continue along the thread we were just talking about uh about uh, how you stepped into the national alliance uh you've met a lot of these people and and uh and and well, let's let's continue on with that. You did you were you part of of uh, it, it, the National Alliances? Uh, were were you uh, like a senior person? Or, uh, did you have a little bit? Were you just a normal member? I mean, I, it seems like you were out there in West Virginia at some point, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I joined the National Alliance in oh 1991, and. I got out right right before I got out of the military, mm-hmm. and so that's when I joined. And I went to move back to Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, and started going to the University of New Mexico as a uh, poli sci major. Mm-hmm. And so I did some activism while I was there, because you know, I mean, the thing about You know, when you're a soldier and that, and especially when you're a new person, is that, you know, you really have the fire in your belly. And so you want to do a lot of stuff. And you want to make a big impact. And you're there to change the world. And you think that, you know, the only reason that it hasn't happened yet is because you're not part of it, (laughs) which is not a bad attitude. Uh And so um, I sent a letter uh, to the national office. And I think Will Williams was the membership coordinator then.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: basically, what I said was, you know, like, hey, I'm ready for action. And, you know, I'm sure they read Infantry and all kinds of stuff like that on my membership app and thought, oh, holy crap. You know, <laughs> what do like, we got here? Oh, man. You know, and so, um, and interesting enough, that's where it came out of later on. But um, we, uh, they put me in contact with a guy in Bullhead City, uh, Rick Kaufman. The, who, wh- in, what state is in, this? Bullhead City, Arizona. It's right okay. next to Laughlin, Nevada. I see. And um, and so he took me under his wing and started giving me activism advice and telling me how to be it. Because I needed to be undercover, uh, which is the way a lot of people need to be, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. And so... Um, what I started doing was putting up stickers and making flyers and, and and putting them up in the University of New Mexico, on the University of New Mexico campus, UNM campus, and then in the area around the university, which there's always a womb, that's what I call it, of you know where all the students and the faculty uh, tend to gravitate around the university. And so we were, um, I was putting up stickers in that, and Will gave me the names of a, a few other people who had agreed to be contacted in Albuquerque. So we had six, uh, people. And they ranged in age from, I think one guy was 75, but he was the most hardcore of anybody. He was, you know, wow. uh, he was hardcore. He, I mean, meetings, we had our meetings at his house. He paid for a lot of the flyers and that. And then the rest of us, We're all either military or ex-mil, and so, um, we would conduct these military-style operations Uh on UNM, putting out, because they were really trying to find us. So we had scanners on the, you know, on the UNM police frequency, and they're saying, oh, we spotted stickers in, you know, in the science building, and right as we were leaving. And, um, really? Yeah, so it was good practice for, uh, snooping around
1: and yeah. not getting
2: caught. And then um it, it turned into a big deal there where the the uh what's his name Richard Peck who was the uh president of the uni- of the university was challenging us to come out. Come out, you know, come out of the shadows. Yeah, yeah. And so the campus police started uh giving people escorts, escorting women and minorities oh, over because- to <laughs> Oh, I mean, it was great. And, and so this one day, um, I mean, basically it was like every news channel in the Albuquerque area It hit all at the same time, bang. So what I did was I called the uh, 304-653-4600 number on the uh, Earth's most endangered species, and I started leaving a message. And I was like, hey, this is David Pringle, you know, my membership number is A8449. I'm in Albuquerque. We've got like a major media event here. I don't know exactly what to do or what you guys want me to do. And Kevin Strom picked up the phone, right? Uh. That was when he lived there. And he says, why, hello, this is Kevin Strom, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's, I've heard his voice. That's, that's my Stromy uh, huh? uh, imitation there. Anyway, so, I, you know, I, I told him uh, what was going on, and he said, well, Let's get Dr. Pierce's sage-like wisdom. And that's in a direct quote, by the way. And so um he put on Dr. Pierce. Wow. And, and Dr. Pierce, I'll bet you, you know, it wasn't even 30 seconds from the time he buzzed him. And so we had a member on the line. So Dr. Pierce got on the line. And, you know, the guy knew who I was. He knew where I lived. He knew that I was married. He knew I just got out of school, or I got out of the military. He knew I was going to the school. I mean, he knew a lot about me um, right off the top of his head. Now he could have a had a membership survey, uh-huh. uh, which is possible, but I don't think so because you know, I know where he kept them and everything. Anyway, so he got on and he ended up doing a bunch of interviews in the area, and we did pretty good. But a lot of the people who were in the military moved away over the next year or so. And then we had an event, uh, which was Oklahoma City. Yeah. Now, the P.O. box and the phone number, the phone number that Tim McVeigh called was the phone number that we were putting on our flyers from Bullhead City.
1: (laughs) Wait a minute. Why did he call call that
2: number? he, He called the National Alliance... Uh, number, in fact, in uh, in the book American Terrorists. Yeah, I need to read that. They actually list Rick Kaufman. That's why I was confident oh. to use his name, and because uh, he's already testified in all their trials. Um, and so they they called him up, and he was thinking, you know, if anybody McVeigh says an American terrorist, if he was uh, he was thinking if anybody could hide him out afterwards, it was
1: uh, oh, William oh.
2: Pierce's organization. Wow. Right? Wow. So, so he called and left his name as Tim Tuttle. Now, Rick never talked to him. And then uh, later on... uh, Wow, that's an interesting story. All the feds came down. And so the feds... That scared the crap out of all the rest of the people in the area. (laughs) Sure. And so there I was by myself again. And, uh, you know, after I was finished with school and that, I opened up a business. And... um, you know, I just kind kind of busy, and so my activism. <laughs> I never changed the way I thought. I just mm-hmm. didn't. Be, I was just wasn't as active. Well, you
1: know, I've 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 you know I've been I've been pressing really hard here for about two years, and you know sometimes I think, wow, I I, I just like to walk away for a while, and uh, 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 but let me let me say something. I, I um, uh, when I first started discovering discovering all of this uh, about 2 years ago uh and it was after that that I encountered you on the Sean Hannity radio program. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and uh I was just kind of you know becoming hip to the the movement at that time. I I really wasn't c- a confirmed white nationalist but I was I was kind of you know I I think I started listening to a little bit of Pierce some of his broadcasts uh on on MP3 and wow wasn't that something when you first hear him? Oh yeah, and, yeah, and uh, and I heard you on the radio, and you know, you did pretty good. It, it's it's so hard to to come on there and and, and discuss anything serious because all he's interested in is saying is you're repugnant, you're awful, you're a racist, and and he called uh, me a
2: moron too. Oh yeah. Well, here's the thing with Sean Hannity, uh-huh. um, is uh, Kelso Jamie Kelso from Stormfront called me up,
3: uh-huh.
2: and I'm literally. I mean, it's pretty early because I was in Alaska. So I'm still sitting there drinking coffee and uh, and getting ready to go out and do things. And Kelso calls me up in a panic because, uh, I guess, uh, David Duke was supposed to be on. But then he canceled. Don Black didn't want to do it. So they had Hannity. And he wanted to talk about, of all things, Toledo yeah, with the NSM and Toledo. And so here I was, not affiliated in, with NSM in any way, shape, or form. I got five minutes. They called me five minutes before it came up. Oh, really? Uh, so, I mean, I had seen what had happened there, you know, just kind of a basic idea. On CNN, I'd been gone all week. And and, um, and so, here. I mean, most of the time, I was telling somebody this just a few minutes ago, uh, is most of the time before the show I spent trying to figure out what the hell exactly did happen in Toledo. So I actually wasn't a moron and um, I didn't know that there were going to be two guys on there and that's the thing with doing mainstream media is you have to actually think especially on the radio because they'll turn you down they'll turn your mic off mm. uh, if you start talking over the host and that's what it's I mean he's got a producer and a sound man and all kinds of people sitting right there and so um, what happened was I, I get on there and I, you know I, I just think okay I need to get my uh, you know web address out uh, Stormfront got me on. I'll get stormfront.org out mm-hmm.
3: I'll
2: try to get nsm88.com out and um, I, my wife has a thing where she you know wants to make sure that I don't get mad <laughs> while I'm on so I can sound reasonable still
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so those were the things that I wanted to do and um, and I I was pretty surprised about the increase in hits that I had on WhiteWire.
1: Yeah, I hit you. But,
2: I mean, I got like okay. thirty-five thousand hits mm-hmm. uh, in the next twenty-four hours, which is uh, good for my little website. And um, yeah, I, you know, I got to say
1: something. Uh, just interjecting, I I think I became a regular uh, hitter of WhiteWire after that.
2: Well and yeah. see the the my alexa rating and and the the amount of hits that i had every day increased measurably because of that. In fact, a guy called my show and said he uh you're in Arizona?
1: Me, i'm i'm in the i'm in the great midwest, home of uh pollen and uh fat cows.
2: Okay, so a guy called up to white wire live one night. Yeah. And he said that he heard the show.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and he pulled over to the side of the road up in Flagstaff, Arizona and wrote down the urls and you know it brought him into white nationals, period mm-hmm. so i mean he wasn't you know experimenting with it or anything like that he uh, and and that's the reason that i'd be i'm willing to go on and things like that they can call me whatever names they want um you know you can try to get a point or two out while you're there and uh um, you know don't sound like a freak or you know scream at the guy or engage in his kind of tactics you know, and on the Sean Hannity forum, yeah, that was the subject for two weeks. Was how rude that guy was to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: My dad heard it. My my wife's ex husband heard it. I was surprised how many people that I knew personally heard it. People were calling my dad, "Hey, I just heard your son on Hannity, and God, Hannity was a prick," and <laughs> and so. Um,
1: isn't it amazing how they 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 need to do this? I mean, uh, uh, Alex Linder, uh, who would be here tonight, but his hard drive melted down uh, at the top of the weekend. He lives way out in the boonies, and uh, I don't think that he, I don't think there's a computer store anywhere near him. And um, but I shouldn't say he lives in the boonies, but he lives there's no like uh, you know micro warehouse or Comp USA near where he lives. Anyway. Um, uh anyway, he would be here tonight but oh, well, I forgot what my train of thought was. Uh oh yeah, Conway and Whitman, he went on uh, an LA radio show. They called him uh out of the blue and and had him on and and uh they just really felt the need to just insult him in the worst possible way. And uh I I I, I, I you know, I don't know why they feel the need to do that because I think a large percentage of people who are otherwise you know somewhat neutral are saying you know why is this why is this guy being a total jerk you know the host of the show towards the guest right and uh you know i you know maybe maybe they're so imbued with this um hostility to anything you know white nationalist that they think everyone else you know feels the same way I, i mean i don't know maybe they're trying to you know, look good uh, to the people who are above them. I, d- I don't know what it is exactly. I, I You know, this uh, false sense of decorum or something. I, I don't know.
2: Well, they're very confident in what they think other people... See, they believe they their own propaganda.
1: Right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, it, here I was at a... Um, um, you know, I live in the Southwest.
1: Now I and thought you so, were this for the listeners. This, this I guess I thought you were in Alaska. I was. Oh,
2: yeah. I moved to the Southwest, uh, you know, to take a, a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the perks was I drove six hours uh, yesterday up to Denver, and I'd never been to a NFL football game. Oh. So I watched the. Uh, Raiders play the Broncos at uh, Invesco Field and this was weird I'm sitting there and they have Hispanic Heritage Month Mm -hmm. and so they're all out there with Mexican flags and you know they're dancing around and and, um, this really I mean attractive looking young woman sitting next to me white leans over and she says you know When are they going to have White Heritage Month? (laughs) And that's what these guys in the media don't understand. And what guys like um, mainstream, just to name a mainstream uh, media person who has a basic understanding of it, even though he probably can't say anything about it, is, for instance, Lou Dobbs on CNN. Uh, he understood the immigration issue, and I mean, basically, that's what his show is about. I mean, he was a financial show, and he switched over um, when he started doing Broken Borders and uh, the Fleecing of America. Yeah. P. Um, Myron
1: Candell.
2: That's right. Yeah. So uh, Buchanan uh, understands it. I know he understands it a hundred percent. For well. I know for a fact he does uh despite what he says on t v Mhm, and so you've got guys like that who understand it and are capitalizing on it now, and that kind of sentiment will increase, and that's why shows like this or blogging or white wire uh which is just down for temporarily uh it's a temporary okay uh, and, and so uh. We could get to that in a sec, but, um, you know, us having our, and, you know, Alex Linder with the Building White Media, um, um, I mean, VNN was basically the first uh, pro-white news site mm-hmm. uh, other than organizational sites or Stormfront-type mm-hmm. sites. And so us building it, like, for instance, I mean, all of our communications that you and I have had so far, I have not done on my home computer. I've done them all on my BlackBerry while I'm driving around and, or working or whatever. You know, and the next generation of these will be able to get streaming uh, streaming audio from the Internet. And that will put us in the same kind of league as, like, for instance, XM Satellite or Cirrus or, or one of those kinds of things you know not the reach as in like you know you can just listen to it in your car anywhere yet but eventually that's why it's important
1: you know i've got a real gadget uh, uh i've got gadget fever now and uh, i just go into the computer stores uh we have these big warehouse uh, uh stores around us and uh, i just go in there about once or twice a week and see what you know what's new and of course to pick up any sort of uh, piece of hardware that interests me or or whatever uh because uh there's a lot of cool stuff happening, and uh stuff with video and and uh we need to get uh, the when i say we uh, the white media in general, we need to get like some some curvaceous blonde girl just to kind of read news from a white perspective right you know have you seen of, the a
2: have you seen P I have a link to that where's it um p yeah there's a link to it on um, on white wire mhm and what did I call it? The article. Finally, we have our our own news babes. Okay. And these two women are pretty attractive. Yeah. Uh, one, one's blonde, one's brunette, and uh, I don't know how often they've done it. Uh, their news broadcast, but uh, yeah, they, I agree. We need to get uh, we need to get a few news babes.
3: Yeah. And, exactly.
2: Uh, hey, call it the way it is. And we need to get a few news babes that can get on there and get guys interested. And not just be stuffy, either, like, you know, the newsreader on Channel 4 or... or oh, no, this channel. has got to be uh, saucy, you
1: know. I I, I think, um, you know, people may disagree with, like, uh, Alex Linder and the way he, he... the words and his language he uses and, you know, because he can be very... Uh, lots of curse words and so forth and so on. But I think what people like about Alex Linder is his uh, his his content is very charged and it's very electric. And, um, and you know, yeah, we don't need – if we get these babes on reading the news, we don't need, you know, uh, down on 41st Street, uh, you know, we, we don't need any of that. We need something that kind of exciting kind of dialogue kind of stuff, right?
2: Well, and, and even – and it gets us away from these guys who do the half an hour, yeah. you know, paint-peeling diatribe, or even, not even that, every yeah. week. First off, it's a half an hour a week, which, uh, I mean, theoretically, um, you know, you could be on every night
1: yeah.
2: and uh, get, you know, content that people are going to listen to every day and putting on a half. See, I was trying to tell somebody... Uh, not long ago well actually back in the NA days that they needed to get away from the standard half an hour mm-hmm. um, monotone because the thing about Dr. Pierce doing that uh was he wasn't monotone yeah and so, some of them were angry, angry white guy chants but you know there's plenty of stuff to be angry about and none of them ever uh they were all they always had an intellectual edge uh tilt but at the same time had a militant edge mm-hmm. and that's why they reached out to so many people And there there still hasn't been anybody that could uh, replicate that maybe there won't be um, but there is an entire crop of guys who were tutored under him yeah. and are, are students of him who are out right now banging around Alex is one of them uh, lots of people are out there. And and so the guys, for instance, uh the guys who I used to associate with who are still there, uh, who uh put up American Dissident Voices in either one of its forms, uh, you know, the big thing with them is that they need to keep it interesting and edgy and for God's sakes don't bore us to death with stuff. Yeah. I mean that's one of the things with Whiteware that I've tried to do is just you know, you could go to some news sites and there's 50 new items a day and you know if you've got an rss feed on your handheld whew, man that thing blows up
1: yeah <laughs> and
2: uh except for there's so many things that are so esoteric and boring uh i mean some of them are interesting but the Me. rest of them it's just the same old same old same old same old every time i i already know what the situation is it's just like when i go to a conference and it's a meat eaten retreat yeah conference. be be
1: entertaining and 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 yeah, uh, be edgy like you're saying. And you know what's so funny? And I'd like your input on this. Um, you know, I don't know how many people come to VNN each day and read. And and you know. Uh, and then of course, uh, you know, Alex puts out these calls in Goyfire. Goyfire is a very popular uh, uh, download. And um, and you know, he you ask people. I know there are people who know how to. Uh, draw, uh, know how to do this media, uh, you know, know how to work with technology, but so few people will come forward. I well, know, and I don't, you know, I don't care if they, if they, you know, I do care in a sense that you know, I put a lot of energy behind VNN, and I would like, you know, I'd like them to come along with VNN, but you know, in a way, I don't really care, you know, who does it or where they do it, uh, you know, but you know, we got these video iPods now; they're going to be busting out. And um, you know, so few people will, will come and step forward. And you know, I don't know what else to do. I mean, I've talked about this with a lot of white nationalists. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what else to do other than just create media and 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 have people tune in and listen and enjoy themselves, and at the same time absorb the, absorb the message. And uh, you know, I I don't know. And you know, I started talking about it with you the National Alliance. And you know, what what a what a what a tragedy! The whole. Tell me, did you, did you see before Pierce died? Did did you have any inkling of what would what would come after Pierce?
2: Well, okay, there was a uh, there was an email discussion list called Unit One that uh-huh. a number of us were on. Alex used to be on it. Um. And that was a topic that came up a number of times but was uh, censored out Yeah, for a variety of reasons. And, you know, I was telling somebody uh, last night while I was driving home in the car that – because they, what they were doing was trying to blame, uh, you know, Eric Levy or Sean Walker mm-hmm. or anybody, right – but in reality, the, the the main blame is that Dr. Pierce set it up in a shaky way so that there wasn't a very um, structured line of succession. And the reasons that he did that in the movement, you know, you were talking about at the beginning, yeah. people say, oh, I don't want to work with this person, I don't want to work with that person or whatever, is that there's been, the movement has been franchised. Mm-hmm. For literally decades, where, um, in fact, I was quoted in a, I don't know if it would be considered mainstream, but in the Cleveland Free Press, or Free Times, a reporter called me before I left Alaska about a uh, an NA membership list for the Cleveland area that had been released on DC and D-Media. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, now see... There were lots of people on that list that I had never heard of before. and they, were like, they had like E-Series membership numbers and that. But um, there were a lot of people that I had. And when I re- looked at it, I knew that it was a real list. And this guy called me up um, and asked me if I thought it was a real list. Now, see, um, I, I just told him, yeah, it's a real list. And then so he asked me um, why somebody would put it up. And I said, well, obviously, unlike... You know, the history of the movement is the history of who stole <laughs> the list last to set up their new organization.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: it's been happening for decades. In fact, I cited Don Black being shot by James Earl Ray's brother in the process of swiping a membership list when I think Black was like 16 or 17, okay? And um, and and that's not like inside information on Don. He has that actually posted up on a uh, Mm-hmm. on a threat on Stormfront. And so um, that is the way it's been, you know, like a Willis Cardo and Dr. Pierce had a big falling out, and it was over a swiped membership list. And, um, you know, it goes on and on like that. In fact, I, I, um, some guy uh, swiped a list, I think, in like 1990 or something then they put out a big, from the N.A., that uh, they put out a big uh, deal on. And, and and so this guy um, this guy contacted me about that. And so, you know, that's what I told him. The history of the movement is, I mean, it's a, it's a common thing. And what they're doing with that, obviously in the pre-internet days, is they're setting up mailing lists so they can mail out their newsletters that everybody subscribed to. But on the other hand, then, see, they're trying to protect their little territory. Mm-hmm. And and that is probably the single biggest thing that's held the movement. You know, and I use that loosely uh, because it encompasses a great many people and ideas and uh, um, ideologies and organizations. But that is probably the single biggest thing that's held it back is that people have made uh, such a point of protecting their little franchise because it means protecting their livelihood yeah and and so that applies to Dr. Pierce as well Uh, in fact one of the things that Gleeby said when people were really on him a couple of years ago was they're messing with my livelihood now, see, I've never thought of it as a livelihood. That's why I never made a big deal about trying to raise money on uh, white wire until I added. Um, hey, dude, uh, pardon me. Until I added um, extra time on Hal uh, for uh, two hours, which was getting kind of. Uh, he wanted me to pay for the bandwidth, and and so uh, I was trying to raise money for that because uh, you know I really don't want to pay for it myself. I paid for everything else. Um and so, you know, these people who like literally make a living and there's nothing wrong with making a living off politics or uh you know, off being a political prognosticator right. off having a newsletter or a book or anything like that. If you have a product to sell and you know, you're putting it back into something like For instance, I have no idea how much money Alex raises, but what I see is I see new content on VNN. I see that there's a news uh, paper that comes out or a tabloid. I see that uh, the forums up, and you know there's uh, audio downloads constantly because I listen to the shows on VNN as well, Mm -hmm. just like you do. I try to listen to White Nationalist Radio.
1: I I enjoy it. I mean I I I like to hear it.
2: Yeah. So, that, to me, that is a big problem that has been in the movement for a long time, and getting away from that, for instance, well, the whole, you know, this guy's a fed, that guy's a ringer, that guy's an uh-huh. agent, however anybody wants to call it. Like, for instance, somebody, uh, Willis Carter, uh, you know, picked somebody out at the Barnes Review Conference. And uh, kicked him out of it because he said they were a ringer, which is the way old guys say uh-huh. "fed," right? <laughs>
1: yeah, that was a r- weird incident.
2: Well, and the thing that's bizarre about it is that it's the dang Barnes Review Conference. This isn't a meeting of revolutionaries.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: This is this is like a you know it's like a dinosaur conference. You know, I mean, we could just, just go to if we. It's a it's a fossil. Everything's fossilized there. Yeah. that's the old movement. I mean, literally, not to insult Willis, because I mean, I guess he grinds people up in the beef, and I know him. I'd hate for him to grind me up in a hamburger too. But uh, you know, that is that represents what's the old movement, where if you're an archaeologist and you're interested in dinosaur bones, that's the perfect place to go. It doesn't mean that the information that they're putting out is bad. It doesn't mean that they're not performing a service. But that's the old movement. To do something like that at a conference, which really—I mean—what's he going to do? Take pictures? They're—they're they're already taking pictures of everybody. You know, what are they going to do? Write down names? Everybody's wearing a damn name tag. Well,
1: well, you talk about the old movement. I mean, could, could Pierce, if he had lived, or—I uh, mean, was, was the NA going in the wrong direction? I mean, I mean, was it? Was this? If he would have
2: lived, the Internet, and the Internet and the way that people were coming on would have forced change. And that, that's one of the things. In fact, it's a quote that I put up on uh, on Whitewire from him, and he would have had it you know, given to him, I'm sure. But change can be forced, and it would have been forced on him, because he couldn't control the things that people were saying on the forums or on yeah. the news lists or anything like that. Now, in the old days, you could have an internal organizational scandal, and you could just hunker down and newsletter it to death. But you can't do that on the Internet. And he would have actually... It's beneficial for people to actually uh, exist in a politically charged environment that's not unlike real, um, you know, electoral politics, right? We have people... Who um, are are analysts who analyze things that happen in the movement and in and out, right?
1: Well, well, I'll say Uh, this: you know, uh, we're a
2: microcosm.
1: Hanging around VNN forum like I do, and you know, uh, uh, this, uh, this. Okay, let's just write off the the trolls and the morons and and uh, and you know, people who I don't I don't know they don't have a job or whatever. I don't know, uh, but uh, uh, there are other people who who you know who are very clever but they're very very uh they're very very divisive uh and they're very very acidic and um and you know you know sometimes i sometimes i sometimes i wonder when I look at being in forum and you know you have you know, you have, you know, exemplary posters, maybe like Chain, who uses it to, uh, document all these crimes and, 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 uh, and, and his research and so forth like that. And there's a lot of other people. I'll mention a few of them, not all of them, like Devere and other people. And, uh, but then, you know, you have some that are a lot more questionable and, and they can throw the whole forum into, uh, into a, a, a tailspin and, and, it's a very difficult thing, uh, you know, when you when you allow this this charged environment to go go forth. You know, we've had, you know, since I've been hanging around this forum, you know, we've had, you know, we've had schisms, I and mean, we've had like factions go at each other, and uh, and and you know, is, is do, do, I mean, uh, is this what you're talking about? I mean, do you think this is kind of Darwinian or something?
2: Yeah, of course. Okay, I mean, look at. Uh, What's the? I mean, many people consider that the the first book, and not Herodotus, but uh, the first book that's actually a history without gods and goddesses and uh-huh. all that kind of stuff is Thucydides' history of the Peloponnesian War. Yes. Okay, and so when you go through and you've got the Mycenaean debates and you've got uh, you know all of that in there, what you have is uh, you have a map of human behavior that's fairly con- constant. And um, it goes all the way into a lot of the things that you learn in uh, Thucydides, Thucydides' book. You can pick up again in uh, The Prince and in these other kinds of books. Uh, for instance, even like Sun Tzu, Art of War, that's a book about human behavior. That's not a book about, you know, some guy who's uh, smarter than everybody else. That's a guy who understands human behavior better than all of his generals and better than the other people in the court, and he writes it down. And human behavior, to me, in my eyes, in my view, is uh, is a constant. And so understanding, yeah. understanding it means that one thing, uh, and I've tried to explain this to some uh, movement movers and shakers who um, don't think that um, human behavior applies to us, uh, on the same level that it does out in the general public. I tend to disagree with that. And I think for us to understand it better and apply it within our own ranks and uh, within uh, energizing our own base, people who say, oh, well, VNN or, or any site uh-huh. where uh, we use uh, movement code words, uh, things that we would only understand uh, that the only the initiated would pick up on, there has to be places like that. Not everything could be an outreach. And once people start thinking like that, then what happens is all you get is a bunch of people who are new who've come in and, you know, one of the big things at the NA, even when Dr. Pierce was there, that was that it had a 17-month and, and you know, I was a membership coordinator, and so, uh, you know, I've made uh, uh graphs and pie charts about this and the average membership lifetime was 17 months. So that means somebody would join, they would pay dues for a short time, and then you know there was a six-month drop-off period. If you didn't That'd pay your dues away. for six months, you were uh, you lost your membership. And and so if you think about it like that, it could actually go down to eleven uh, months or so. And so to me, that's a that's a real good way of understanding. Uh, first off, the impact. Of, uh, of the of the group and and where it was failing because all it was concentrating on was outreach and yeah you, you have unit meetings and there, but all the units concentrating on is outreach and at some point you have to concentrate on what because it's supposed to be cadre development on actually developing and keeping your base energized and the, and the basic political things that Carl Rove and James Carville and guys like that excel at. And and to me, VNN and some of these forums kind of keep people charged up <clears throat> and at least keep them in. In the old days, people would get mad in the movement and just vaporize back into the mainstream. Yeah, but but that's not the case anymore. And so um, you get, first it, uh, you would get organizational hoppers, but now what we've got are people actually establishing themselves as personalities, and that's where we start setting up an actual counterculture. And um and something that's aside from the mainstream, that somebody could choose to be mainstream or they could choose to be with us.
1: You know that that's 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 the plight, you know, I find myself in. I've never uh you know, I came along after the National Alliance uh basically fell apart and there there is no organization I, I guess I guess that's to credit Pierce. You know, you could look at Pierce and say, you know, this guy this guy, you know, is someone that you know I, I trust and uh and and you know i think i think most white nationalists uh you know could do that you know that's william Pierce that's the national alliance you know I can sacrifice a lot for that right I can put my name on the line and and uh and you know uh face face uh you know uh public ostracism if you know if i'm found out or or whatever but you know there is nothing like that today and you know I think that's why so many people are just kind of fitting, uh, sitting on the fence. And you know, when I'm when I'm saying people, I mean like people who are on the forum, they feel like, you know, why should I bust my ass for anything? Because there's really no functioning is there a functioning lever, uh white nationalist lever uh in in, in this country today where you know what I mean by lever? I mean something capable of exerting real political force or or are we just all just really just at this point blowing hot air
2: here, I'll answer it in a roundabout way okay um the way I think of it right now is that in in a, the the n a first off the n a uh achieved that status of uh i don't know being the the top the apex of the uh of the movement. For a variety of reasons. But one of them was branding. I mean, as simple as branding. And it was there. It was there. It was there. Some groups come, newsletters come, newsletters go. Um, But Dr. Pierce was up there. And, um, you know, he didn't, he actually, I don't think he started doing uh, ADVs on a regular basis until like
3: 1997.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, But he was up there. Writing and organizing and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, collecting dues and, and turning it back around and building infrastructure and, and all that kind of stuff. And so the branding that he had, uh, to a large extent he deserved. And then, of course, there was the media that they got from other things like the Order. And, um, you know, a couple of the Order members were, uh, National Alliance members or had been affiliated with the group and um, the media hysteria from uh, the Oklahoma City bombing, um, from McVeigh. And so what we have now, and we've gone through this before in the movement, in the history of it, is we've got kind of a period of flux. And, the wandering and is, in the wilderness. That's right. Uh-huh. And, and people say, oh, look at all the lost opportunities and look at this. Well, I mean, uh, hey, when the movement was, uh, you know, so when people think that it was rolling steam ahead, full steam ahead, I can think of a million lost opportunities um, right there because people were stuck in basic movement orthodoxy where, um, you know, there were lots of things that they were willing to do, but there was like 20 other things that they were willing not to do. And so right now, what I see is, um, I see it being reorganized and restructured. Number one, because because of uh, different levels of corruption and incompetence in other organizations uh, in the movement, people are less likely to join a group. Now, see, that may not be a bad thing for the time being. Um, when you're talking about these disruptors on the forum and people like that we do have organized opposition who uh do not present themselves themselves like for instance um, in the uh spitlickers the southern poverty law center's the intelligence report or the ADL or anything like that these aren't people who have like ADL buttons and they're walking around at, at meetings and that or uh you know they have an ADL avatar on the forum <laughs> uh, for instance if if you watch a show uh uh they had VNN on it i think uh, yeah they had uh black on it hate dot com on h b o yeah, I think that's the show one of them what they had was um they had a, a a political science class and they didn't identify the college, but it was at Adams State College in Alamos, Colorado. And the professor, who was the professor of uh, international, uh, I think it was international relations, and then political science, uh, was a uh, close associate of Mark Potok and Joe Roy. Now, these guys, what they were talking about doing was getting on the forums and pretending to be pro-white, and then they hinted at at doing disruptions. Now, if you have like forty different uh, um, you know, if you can, you know, fake your IP address and you can set up forty different um um little names, puppets, right? Yeah. Then you can do um, you can do you know, whatever you want on there. And of course a lot of people who especially new people who don't realize that there's this level of trolls and I like that sock bucket puppets. Uh, out there will take a lot of, of the things that people say a little bit more seriously than perhaps they should. And so what we have now is we have lots of great outreach going, and people come in and they get on the forums, and for the most part they're still staying there. They're not really going anywhere, and they're learning, and they're they're seeing the way it is. What needs to happen now is somebody needs to figure out a way to do something so that it's a little more, um, well, I know that there's different uh, political parties coming around, and I don't know if anybody set up like a 501c4 or whatever, uh, like moveon.org. Um, now that but,
1: moveon.org, uh, they have got to be, that has to be a Jewish financed operation.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I don't know who the, uh, the people that run it are, uh, but I do know that they have... Uh, They've got a lot of hype in the media, and um, they're they able to organize people on the, online like crazy. They do. Um, and, and so getting things like that going uh, is something. But also provide people with ways so that they don't have to give all their information. And uh, there's a thing on solargeneral.com, and SA dropped the list. Yeah. That I think it's pretty good. Now, I don't agree with everything on it, but because uh, it's written by a guy on the East Coast. And, you know, East Coast guys a lot of times don't want to, you know, talk about guns. Guns, 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 guns. Um, they don't want to talk about them. Or, you know, because their their laws are really prohibitive unless you live in Vermont. Um, but aside from the gun part, I, I really enjoy that essay. Um, and yeah, that is one of my sense. favorite essays. I agree with you. And, and so, you know, figuring out a way that people can do it, and and um, you know, the fact that we're reaching around in the dark here, trying to figure it out, is is that we will. Because I do think things take on a Darwinian uh, sense, and you know, the the person who figures that out, or the or the group of people who figure that out are the group of people who are going to be able to uh, jump right back up on the pony and grab the reins and get it galloping forward. And, and a lot of people will come. It's kind of like the um, the field of dreams thing. I used to tell that to local unit coordinators in the ENA. You know, if you build it, they will come. I'd also like to see people, and this might be the way to do it, are autonomous local units, for instance, um just to give a little like political analysis uh, okay. of mine, National Vanguard formed right after um, a lot of people left the N.A. Now, one of the things I was trying to get them to do when I went to New Orleans to meet with uh, Strom and the rest of those guys, and, and I wasn't alone in this, uh, was to try to get them to kind of slow it down a little bit, not be in such a hurry, uh, and take a month or so, Um, and, you know, uh, get get some of the unit coordinators together and have more of a uh, a calm, not rushed um, strategy session and make the local units more autonomous. But they didn't do that. And so what happened was you got guys who were high-functioning in Tampa Bay, and then you got uh, a guy in Denver who... uh, is um, kind of a uh, you know overly emotional type who caused a schism in the organization I don't even think it, it got to a year yet and so what you get when you get you know you get these high functioning guys who are essentially running their own white nationalist organization it's just based out of Tampa Bay and they do things in Florida I mean they're running a guy for uh, for office it's mosquito board mosquito control board but you know this is the
1: Tampa Bay unit, right?
2: that's right yeah
1: i' I've, I've heard really good things about them.
2: Well, I think that these guys are, and I tried to actually tell one of them that they don't want to get involved in, in national organizational politics, that they need to uh what what do blacks say? You need to keep it real, yo they need to they need to keep it local at the, keep it local. All politics are local.
1: You see, this is exactly what I, I, I'm pushing, and I've had a lot of private discussions with Alex. And and this may be a little. This is one of the original reasons for me contacting you recently. Was you know my idea, and I, I sit and think about this a lot, is to get particularly families, sort of you know middle class stable people, to to move into uh, uh, you know some sort of area, where we can concentrate our our numbers and and we you know we buy single family homes uh you know we live uh you know we we're not trying to uh, establish a commune or or religious cult or all live in in someone's basement or or or, or, or a weird religion but simply we, what we do is we 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 just increase our density in an area and then literally just take it over and uh you know uh, influence the local government and the school board and and um literally just reshape the community and uh, uh that's I, I, I think this
2: is the the only positive way forward well i don't disagree with that and i would say this that uh the queers have done it uh, remarkably the who Successfully queers oh the fags like, oh hom- yeah. homosexuals fags yeah yeah well, I mean, I use queers as a generalization. You know, queers there's, a good word. There's lesbo, lesbos in there, too, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they've done it. <laughs> Absolutely, they've yeah. done it. And not just in San Francisco. They've done it in, like, Salt Lake City, Utah, is a huge homosexual stronghold. Huh. They've done it in Santa Fe, New Mexico. They've done it in Taos. They've done it uh, in the suburbs of Denver. They've done it all over. Uh, Well, not the suburbs, but, you know, in the outlying area, in these left-wing stronghold areas. And uh, at the same time, uh, lots of, uh, you know, uh, fundamentalist Christians, like, for instance, Colorado Springs is a fundamentalist Christian stronghold. And that didn't happen overnight. That's happened over the last 25 years and it's the same thing you know the Castro district in San Francisco just didn't all turn into uh you know fags and lesbos all at once that took a long time to get it like that that took like about a decade for them of moving in there constantly and of course you know they were moving in there for uh, uh healthy people persecuting them around the rest of the country but um <laughs> well you know yeah. uh, um i agree oh yeah you, know, you, you don't yeah absolutely and so here's one of the things that I think that we run into is that we run into um, where people are willing to take the risk of, for instance, uh, joining the National Alliance is a, was a risk for a lot of people um, for a variety of reasons. Joining any kind of white nationalist group, uh, where especially when you know all their membership lists are like, fluke. Uh, I, I don't being know, out, I, don't, I, I can't, I don't know of a single group. It may not be on DC Indie Media, but right now, trust me as an insider, I don't know of a single group that has not had their membership list compromised, and that includes brand-new groups. And so um, knowing that, um, it makes it even more risky. But I, I do think at a certain point you do have to take a risk. And so a lot of times you get people who aren't willing to take the risk, as in pick up and move, it was one of the reasons why Doctor Pierce wasn't able to get so many people up to West Virginia, aside from it being out. Yeah. in Bundy. Bundy, um, because let's face it, a lot of us, a lot of us like living in population areas. Yeah, we. I know uh, that's a hard, you know, part.
1: But it, it's hard, you know. Unless, you know, unless, unless somehow, you know, we can, we we can attract a density, a population density. You know where we can you know protest in front of city hall and and really influence you know directly the physical levers of power, you know being being spread out. You know what I like I said I've been in this you know movement unquote uh, uh, for you know about two years now and I've I've met Alex Linder one time uh, and we had an afternoon together uh, but um, uh, he's the only white nationalist I've ever had a face to face conversation with.
2: Oh, that's interesting. We need to get you off to uh, one of these uh, meat and retreat meetings. They're they're pretty good, and every, everybody brings cigars. Well, I, I could I could try cigars. Yeah, there's more cigars than a Republican National Convention. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, I mean, I, think, I, I, I and I and I think I'm not alone in that. I think that you know the, and I'm you know I'm referring to the you know the what is the top fifteen or so percent on VNN forum. Uh, you know, I don't think they 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 have have met and 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 uh, had private conversations with other white nationalists and looked them in the eye and 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 I don't think so. I, I think we're all just scattered and uh, we have very little relation with one another. And it's all just it's it's all um, it's all cyberspace.
2: Well, now see, that was one of the things I was trying to do when I was a membership coordinator at the NA was. Um we had a series of regional conferences because there there were lots of people that were N.A. members who would never met anybody and uh, in fact Alex spoke at one of these meetings in St. Louis and um, you know it had work groups on how to do you know like literature distributions and things like that Um, but I ran into that a lot Um, and that is people who this was their first time at a meeting and how much better they felt Cause they they went and met with other people, and um, there was a direct correlation between them getting that kind of charge and them increasing their level of activism and the level of things that they're willing to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I you know and the thing is, I mean, we talked earlier about you know um, there I know there are talented people that. Here, Goy Fire, for instance, and you know, and and we we send out, you know, said you know, come and help us. And I, I think what we're trying to do when we talk to you know various people here on VNN, and you know, we're trying to we're trying to have like a sort of a, a move in the sense this is not maybe the correct words, but uh, uh, something like Vdare where we have a collective of people who who you know pr- are producing content. And are producing radio and video and writing and uh and 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 this sort of a thing and uh and and but yet so few will come forward and uh and talk uh and and you and, and and to and to contribute and and it falls on on the backs of of a of a very few people who produce this mountain you know we were talking about money earlier and and you know money's one thing and uh but uh you you really got to have people who will do work and uh and you know obviously they have to have some sort of uh, uh drive and devotion uh that goes beyond you know any sense of money and it, it's very it's very difficult to uh uh to find, find those type of people and um so uh I, hey actually i i have a caller uh uh who would who would like to talk to you a a question and um We'd like to chat with you. How much time have you got left, David?
2: Uh, I'm open. Okay. Uh, before I bring him in, uh, uh, I, I mean, like in a in a few minutes, I might need to get up for a minute and uh, okay, you know, take care of some stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, let's 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 take a let's take a, uh, a fi- can you take a five minute break? Yep. Okay. Let's take a five minute break, and I'll play a couple songs, and and we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Vanguard Radio.